parks up a beer or a cold libation. I can tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him, what you got? He said, I'll start off with some talking and some moody clips and popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations and some groundless exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, contest and of course you know it's all about games. That's just slogan, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. With the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today, I'm going to talk about some games that I played in, a movie that I've watched, rewatched recently, and I'm going to open up the mailbag for some wonderful calls, including a first time caller. Games that I played in. Well, I recently finished BSRCon 2, which is an online convention. I got to run two games there. I was supposed to run three. I was supposed to play in two. One of the games I was supposed to play in got canceled, and I had some conflicts with work that kept me from playing in the other game I was supposed to play in and from running one of my games, sadly enough. But I was able to play Barbar- or run Barbarian's Lemoria and Boot Hill 2nd Edition. Barbarian's Lemoria, I think, went pretty good. As always, the players were a little bit low energy. I think it was 7 a.m. for them when we started. They, they all said they enjoyed it. I, I guess they did. All you can do is take players at the words at that. They, they said they appreciated that it was more of like a mystery investigation thing than uh, just con- constant combat. Boot Hill, the players really got into it. They, um, you, you know, really got into the Old West theme, and they seemed to have a whole lot of fun with it. I always love running Boot Hill, so that seemed to go really well. I, I always love playing that. From all I can tell, all the online games talking to other GMs, they said their games went well also. So it sounds like BSRCon 2, the online convention done by the Gaming BS community, really went off well. So I'm sure there'll probably be another one next year. So look forward to that. Now, other games that I played in recently. I got to play in my first session of Jackals. This was run by Carl Rodriguez over the Gemologist Presents podcast. I got to play with Darren Green and Carl's wife, Amy Lee. And it was very interesting, interesting system. I still have to really learn the system. I used a PC that was already created. I still need to go through the character creation process. So it's a little bit early for me to really give you too much of, too much feedback on Jackals itself. It, it's percentile based, but it's not just a straight... It shares a lot of things with like a BRP system like Call of Cthulhu, but it's got a lot of unique aspects to it as well. So I, I need to learn more about the game before I really talk about it. But I'll probably cover it in a System Sunday here in the future. But I definitely enjoyed it and looking forward to playing more of that. We played another session of Reaver, Joe Salvador's game, a sword and sorcery game that's going to be published by Raven Guy Games. And actually the quick start for that is now out. So if you go in the show notes, you'll see a link to the quick start. It's pay what you want. So it's you know, you can pay as little as zero dollars or zero pounds, so go or zero euros. So go check out Re- the Reaver Quick Start. Carl has done a recap of this already, so I have a link in the show notes to Carl's recap of that Reaver session. So I won't bore you with just repeating that, other than to say 
Joe Salvador is an excellent GM and I had a lot of fun playing that game. Really enjoyed that group. Eric Salzweedle over the Omega 3D Chicken Coop finished up our mini game of ICRPG Vigilante City. Joe Richter over Hindsightless was the other player in that game. We finished up that. Um, the My player was the bat. He was a vampire and Joe was playing a Basically Gorilla Grodd, but he was a Sasquatch, not a gorilla. But he had all the powers of Gorilla Grodd from the DC Universe, like the Flash. And um, it, it was a lot of fun. My old mentor was the the secret bad guy, and that was a reveal that we had there in the last session. And so we had to defeat him. Another super group, the Manibles, um, were trying to help us all, anamorphic animals. And they, almost, they, they pretty much got decimated. There's only like two of them still alive. Uh, which is kind of sad, but it was a lot of fun. You know, ICRPG Vigilante City is an interesting game. It was, if I remember my history right, the IC, ICRPG version of Vigilante City was basically a stretch goal for Bloat Games Vigilante City. And Vigilante City is kind of an OSR-ish, you know, using Bloat Games rules, and then they, you know, hankering redid it for ICRPG. And it's pretty good. I, I enjoy ICRPG a whole lot. I'm not totally sold on the way they implement stun points, which are points that act kind of like endurance, plus you use them to power to fuel your powers. Um, I, I think you can get knocked out very easily in ICRPG Vigilante City. You, you know, what, there's a, the rules as written have it so anytime you're attacked, whether you take damage or not, you automatically take a stun point. And you only have 10 some points, and they're kind of hard to get back. And I, when talking to other people to play it in the community, a lot of GMs just ignore that rule. And you don't automatically lose a stun point when you're attacked. Because they found that it, it just makes players get knocked out really quickly. But that said, you, you know, it's a great game. I do recommend it. And, you know, if you go buy ICRPG Master Edition, it's included in there with a bunch of other games. You know, with... It's just one of the settings in that book with a, the fantasy setting, Alfheim, and Warp Shell, the sci-fi setting. and It's got a bunch of stuff in that book, Blood and Snow, if you want to play caveman games. So definitely check out ICRPG Master Edition. Well worth your money. Our AD&D first edition game, our Friday night AD&D game went. MW from the World's MW Lewis podcast, who you're going to hear later in the show. He runs that game. I had a lot of I'm really enjoying that game, having a lot of fun with it. So I started a new character in this last session, and he's a, a dwarf fighter. And so he comes into town and comes into the tavern, meets the other group, meets the other members of the party, and they're kind of regrouping because we, we had a failure at Salt Marsh, and a number of the party got killed or captured. And, and so everybody's kind of fled Salt Marsh, and, and so they're regrouping, and some of us are making new characters. Anyway, so my dwarf fighter comes in, and he kind of gets... Not seduced, because he kind of knew it was happening, but he gets talked into joining this underground fighting ring by, by this halfling, a, a sexy halfling. And, and she talks him into it, and he's going in eyes open, though. He understands what he's getting into. But the idea is he's supposed to take a fall in the fifth. So he's supposed to go five rounds and then, and then lose the match in the fifth round, and then he's going to get paid for it. And he's okay with this, you know. And, and so there's... so. There's a bunch of other things going in the campaign, but anyway, this character I rolled up has like 1884 strength, <laughs> and we're using the straight D&D &D rules in the 
Dungeon Master's Guide for the Unarmed Combat, or maybe they're no, yeah, they're in Dungeon Master's Guide for Unarmed Combat, and it's like page seventy-two, I think. But anyway, we so he shows up. We're doing this fight, and he and he ends up being put up against this half work that's like almost twice the size. But because I've got this great strength, um, you, you know, I said I've got to try to pull my punches, and you know, I've got to fake this, or I'm not. I'm going to kill this guy, you know, with a punch or two. Because I have all this extra damage from this super high strength. And the GM said, well, if you want to pull your punches, that's kind of like acting, right? So it's gonna, you have to do a charisma ability check to successfully do that. And I failed the check, so I didn't pull my punch, and I knocked this guy out. <laughs> and so, unfortunately, now the Thieves Guild's angry at us because they, have, you know, they were doing bets, and I was supposed to lose the fight. And I, you know, I won the fight instead. So, so when we ended the session, the Thieves Guild are looking for my character and they're, you, you know, so the party's kind of on the run from the Thieves Guild. So it, it's a really fun game and, and I'm really glad MW is running that. The unarmed combat rules in AD&D first edition are, they, they're a little bit clunky maybe, but they're a lot of fun. And I'm really glad that we're playing that game mostly kind of by the book and, and we're using those rules as they're written. You know, I think it really adds something to that. I got to play in Daniel Norton, a Bandit's Keep. You're going to hear him later in the show. I got to play in a game of his, Unchained. Unchained is where he is a game that he's developing that takes chainmail and uses it as a sword and sorcery role-playing game, but using the not using OD&D, but just using the chainmail miniature war game rules as the basis for this. And that was a lot of fun. I don't know if he's going to run that same kind of scenario for somebody else. I'm not going to talk about the scenario I was in. But it worked really well. I really enjoyed it. Re- really like playing games with Daniel. And, and I can't wait for him to finish fine-tuning that system so other, other people can see it. I think that covers... I, I played in another session of Wrath of the Righteous, Pathfinder 1 game that Joe Richter runs over Hindsightless. You're going to hear him later in the show as well. Um, we're, we're having a lot of fun with that game. We're Right now we're at the end of book two of Wrath of the Righteous, so we're clearing out like this mega dungeon at the end of that book. But I'm playing a, a dwarf monk who's a, I think it's a Tatori monk where he mainly does grappling. And I've had problems with flying opponents in, in the past, but we just took out these half-orc archers and one of them had a pair of boots of spider climb and I was able to get those. So now I can walk on walls and ceilings. So now I might do a little better against flying opponents, at least inside the dungeon I will. You know, outside it might not, it won't help me a whole lot. But so, so that, that was a nice little power up for my character. Uh, but yeah, I think that's enough for games that I've been playing because I do want to get to these calls and I don't want this to be too long of a show. But really quickly, before we get into the mailbag, I want to talk just for a minute about the 1984 film Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes. Have you seen this? If you've seen Greystoke, if you're a Tarzan fan and, and, and you've seen the different Tarzan movies, I'm very curious what people think about this film in particular and just in general, what's your favorite Tarzan film? So I'm, I'd like to know, and I could do this as a contest, a monthly contest, but I'm just asking you. Call in, let me know what your favorite Tarzan film is. And if you've seen Greystoke, let me think what you, you know, your thoughts on that. Now, Greystoke was an interesting choice. They go back to the novel, the Edgar Rice Burroughs novel, and they try to be a little bit truer to the novel. Um, it's got a great cast, right? Ian Holmes in there, he does a great job. This is the film premiere, you know, the first film for... Christopher Lambert and um, Andy McDowell, even though they Glenn Coase, they Andy McDowell, you don't hear her voice. You're Glenn Coase, 
um, does voiceover for Andy McDowell's character, Jane. But, you know, I actually like Greystoke. I think it's a pretty good film, all things considered. I, you know, I, there's some colonialism stuff in there, but I mean, I don't know that you can get that out of Tarzan. But as far as the story they're telling, I mean, it's really Tarzan Begins, right? So it leads you up to the point where you, the next film takes over as the adventure. And, you know, it, I think it ends at a perfect point where now you can lead into a standard Tarzan adventure from Greystoke. They didn't do that. Instead, you know, it was like 20 years before they made another Tarzan movie or maybe 15. But that said, I, I do think they did a pretty good job with the movie, all told. But I'm curious on other people's thoughts because I, I recently rewatched it, you know, and I know it catches some hate these days. But is a Tarzan film, I, I actually think it's pretty interesting. So I'm kind of curious what other people think. I know Tarzan's not in vogue these days, and, and I understand that. And I'm not, you, you know, don't don't feel you have to call and talk about the Great White Savior or any of that stuff. I'm not defending any of that, and I don't want my show to devolve into that. But if you're a fan of Tarzan movies, I'm curious how you rank this one with the other Tarzan movies. Okay, that out of the way, let us go to the mailbag. Oh, before we go to the mailbag, really quickly... I want to remind you of this month's contest because the contest is almost over. You have till February 6th, so that's only a couple weeks away. And this contest is sponsored by Jason Hobbs over at Hobbs and & Friends and at Random Screed. And the contest is for you to call in and stat out your favorite fantasy weapon. Or it could be a sci-fi weapon, but you, from your favorite fantasy or fantasy, science fantasy weapon, stat it out for a game and you can pick the game you're statting it out for and it could be from a movie you know, like we talked about the sword and the sorcerer so he sat out the tri-blade sword well actually you know that's kind of what we were talking about but you could stat out anything or you, you want to stat out the glaive do you want to stat out you know blaster pistol from star wars doesn't matter what, whatever your favorite sci-fi or fantasy weapon is stat it out for a game system call in or send me a message there are a bunch of ways to reach me or they're on the show notes and um, let us know. Jason Hobbs is going to very generously don't. He's going to give the winner. We're going to randomly roll to determine the winner, and the winner will get some PDF, some of the PDFs that Hobbs has published in the past. So, and if you already own all of Hobbs's PDFs, and he'll buy you some other PDFs. So he, he's going to take care of whoever wins. So definitely look forward to that. Um, but get those entries in. We're you're only have a couple weeks left. Okay, now let's open the mailbag. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator's screaming is coming from inside the house. Hey, Jason, that was an awesome interview you did with GM John from Real Play Games Pod. I, I, ever since you introduced me to that show, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I haven't gone through all of their stuff, but the things I have listened to, they're really fun, easy to listen to. Yeah. Good stuff. It was really, I, I liked hearing that guy talk the things he had to say. So thanks for putting that together, man. Thanks for introducing me to that show and have a good one, dude. Peace out. Hey Joe, thank you for those kind words. Yeah. Jim Johns of the real play games podcast. They do 
actual plays for a variety of different systems, different kinds of games. I highly recommend people check it out. There's another link in the show notes today so people can find them, but really enjoyed talking to GM John. I'm really enjoying their current game, which is Call of Cthulhu, a modern day game. I won't give anything away, but I definitely recommend you guys go check out their recording of Highway of Blood. Okay, let's move on to our next caller. Daniel from Bates, keep calling in about the uh, the village. Sorry, I already forgot the name. I'm getting old. Uh, but episode, I'm in the, kind of in the middle of it, but it was funny because you guys were talking about how you have some stuff from when you were kids because it wasn't digitized. And what's funny about that is we did digitize ours. We used to go into a word processor and like, you know, type everything in and then space, 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 and then type the next thing in space, 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 and like make these character sheets and then print them on our uh, dot matrix printers. And yeah, I don't have any of that stuff anymore. So I have like almost no, but I have no RPG stuff from when I was a kid because a lot of it was digitized. And even if I could find those floppy disks, I'm quite sure I couldn't make them work anymore. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's a bummer for me. I mean, I definitely did draw stuff, obviously, and have physical things, but uh, you know, I'm not I'm not the kind to keep stuff. So I really didn't have stuff from my youth. But I like hearing stories about people looking at their old their characters and stuff. It's always uh, fun to listen to like the, the memories of people. So very cool. Daniel from Bandits, keep calling in. I uh, just finished the Skio episode. I'm kind of all over the place here. Um, <laughs> you guys were talking about the idea of like reading out loud, and that's super important and actually good advice. Whenever I write something like, uh, you know, professionally, I hate to say it like that, but professionally, <laughs> I always make sure I probably should do it always, but I always read it back to myself out loud or have somebody else read it because sometimes you just pick up on certain things that you don't pick up on when it's just the written word. So yeah, reading things out loud is actually really a good practice. And yeah, I never really thought to just sit there and read like books out loud to myself, but man, I, I that's a really good idea and I'm going to give it a shot. So great episode. Talk to you soon. Of course, that was Daniel Norton of the Bandits Keep Media Empire. He was calling about a product called the Honest and Plain Village of Sayo. And I've got a link to it in the show notes. The first episode of this year's podcast, actually, for you know, Nerds RPG Variety Cast, was an interview with the creator of that. And so you can go back and hear all about it. But And we do kind of talk about a bunch of things, as you can tell from the interview, since Daniel doesn't talk about the product itself, <laughs> although it is a very cool product. But Daniel, thank you. Yeah, I, I think reading out loud is so important. You, you know, and you, as you say, from a creative point of view, I mean, that's huge, right? And Joe has talked about this, either you or Joe or somebody recently talked about the idea that, you, you know, to proofread, I think maybe it was Joe, but the idea of proofreading to you, go through a, a screen reader put up your PDF when you think you're done your product and or a Word document, whatever, and have your screen reader read it to you because it's going to catch things that you're just going to automatically skip over because it'll read it out loud as it really is. So that's kind of interesting. But as far as like we were talking about, like the idea of Tolkien and you know, the poems and the songs just work so much better out loud than they do just doing it silently in your head. So thank you for those thoughts, Daniel. Really, really appreciate it. And now we're going to go on to an exciting call. This is a very first-time caller. And Sam is going to talk about the interview I did with Carl from the Geomologist Presents podcast at the very end of 2022 when we talked about James Bond films and Merck 2000. So let's get into that call. Hey, I found your podcast um, just by searching for all the games I love, Merck 2000 included. Um, 
yeah, I have to disagree with your guest there in the um, Merv 2000 episode. Um, Twilight 2000 2.0, which I guess is the base for Merv 2000, um, isn't deadly at all. Um, in a recent campaign I ran, um, I basically ended up doubling all the damage um, damage uh, scores for weapons. Uh, I also used the uh, Phoenix, Phoenix Command um, D1000 hit location chart. Um, to determine if vital organs were were hit, and and if so, then then um, doubling the damage again. Um, that was for me the only way I could make it feel um, deadly. Um, I, I'd have guys take four, um, like five, five, six rounds in the in the chest, and and keep going. Um, I mean, you look at the sample character. Um, for uh, Lauren Lauren K Wiseman in the uh, 2.0 rules, and he has 48 hit points in his uh, in his chest, right? And that's pretty that's pretty normal for a Twilight 2000 character. And you look at an M16, what um, it's laying down now, uh, 2d6 or 3d6, um, and so you know it's easily possible to take three or four hits, um, and your character just keeps going, which doesn't seem realistic. Um, Frank Chadwick, Chadwick um, Vietnam veteran, badass dude. He um, he had an article in Challenge magazine on it um, because people were giving him shit for uh, for uh, the the low the uh, the survivability in Twilight Two Thousand, and um, he he gave numerous real world examples of um, of shootouts in that article. Um, where guys would take five, six rounds and uh, and keep going. Um, yeah, but those those stories he talked about were mainly with um, small caliber pistols, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I modified it. It's a great game. I don't know why um, we need a new version of it. Um, 2.0, you know, after a few tweaks, is very good and written by a guy who knows his stuff. He knows, and it, and it was written in the time it was meant for, you know, and that's important to me. Um, it's, it's a bit hipster to kind of rewrite these games, I think. I don't really like it. I just think um, write a new game, think of something new. Um, anyway, your podcast is pretty cool. I'll keep listening for a while. Thanks, bye. They left one other message, so let me play that before I respond. Oh, yeah, I should also say that your guest was... Um, was really right about the uh, about the um, explosive damage rules in uh, Twilight 2000, Merc 2000. Really good, like uh, separating the concussion and the um, and the fragmentation damage. Um, that that feels really cool. Yeah, good call on that one. So I want to thank Sam for calling in. I really appreciate those calls. Some really interesting things brought out there. I kind of agree with you on the idea of revamping these older properties. We did an episode of Cerebrivore, I'll put a link in the show notes, where Che Webster from Roleplay Rescue joined Arlen and I, and we talked about this idea of recycling properties and all. And I understand people are going to flock towards things that are familiar, but it would be neat to see new games. Now, to be fair, there are a ton of new games out there, especially in the indie scene. If you go to itch.io, a place like that, there are tons of different, unique, kind of unique takes on things out there. So it's not all just recycled games, but I totally understand where you're coming from with some of these. Um, now, you, you mentioned Frank Chadwick, 
and I think it's worth talking about Frank just for a second. So Frank is actually a pretty interesting cat. Um, when you look at some of the games he designed, I know Carl, my co-host in that program you're calling about, probably recognized his name because he did a lot of Traveler stuff. But he also helped do On Guard back in 1975. I'm actually currently playing in a play-by-post game of On Guard. En Guard. You know, it's a like a Three Musketeers kind of game. He worked on Space 1999. Uh, he worked just on a ton of different things. Um, but, yeah, re- really interesting creator. You can go to Wikipedia and find I- information about Frank Chadwick there. Um, as far as the deadliness, it's been a long time. We played Twilight 2000, and we played Dark Conspiracy. It, the, I didn't play the second edition. I didn't play the first edition of those two games. I played Twilight 2000 in high school and Dark Conspiracy when I was in the Army. And our Twilight 2000, the games are pretty deadly from what I remember. But again, it's been a long time. And Dark Conspiracy was also <laughs> pretty deadly. But part of that is because we were, I, I mean, it's a little bit different game. You're monster hunting in the future in that game. Um, but yeah, I... You know, game mechanics are interesting. You mentioned Phoenix Command. I actually have just about everything Leading Edge ever printed I bought in the last year, year or so. And I haven't got any of that to the table. I, I want to because I think what Phoenix, what they did, what Leading Edge did with Phoenix Command is really interesting. But I haven't actually been able to play it yet. I know Arlen Walker over live from Pelham's Wasteland is very willing to, to get in and play test those mechanics and do some gunfights and things with Phoenix Command. It's just getting our schedules together to do it. So we're, we definitely want to do that. We've talked about wanting to compare gunfights in different systems to see how they feel. You know, so we're going to do like Phoenix Command and we'll do um, Millennium's End and maybe Cyberpunk 2020 and you know, Aces and Eights and some of these other games and see how, how realistic they are. As an aside, Aces and Eights, when we ran that for my, when I ran that for my birthday game, even though it was a little bit clumsy the way we ran it, it actually turned into turned out some interesting gunfight results. The the gun, the results, the shooting results actually turned out to be pretty interesting and pretty real, realistic with quotes, right? Air quotes. But I honestly, to me, I found the best balance between speed and playability. You know, speed and playability, and quote unquote realism, and still being fun is Cyberpunk 2020 for a modern game. I think Cyberpunk 2020, Mike Pondsmith really nailed it. He went to the FBI shootout statistics and used them to help mold the system for Cyberpunk 2013, and then that evolved into Cyberpunk 2020. I think Cyberpunk Red simplifies it a little bit too much. I I have played a little bit of Cyberpunk Red, but we went back to 2020 for our Cyberpunk game of choice. Um, Boot Hill, I just ran Boot Hill, as you heard earlier in the show, and Boot Hill does a, a good job, but Boot Hill is pretty random. It just just depends how you roll, which I, I guess is kind of realistic too. But you, you know, any anybody can kill you with with a gun in Boot Hill, and and you know, instant kills are you know pr- happen pretty often in that game. So I don't know, but that but it's very interesting. We'll see. I'm sure Carl will call in and and give a response. I did reach out to Carl and ask him after you called in about lethality. What he found from because he played as you heard Merc 2000 back in the day. And then he's running a Twilight 2000 4th edition, the new version of Twilight 2000. And he's been running that for over a year now. And that campaign's still going strong. 
and I asked him about lethality between the two. And definitely the games back in the day were a lot deadlier. And he, he trucks that up to players being a lot smarter because he's playing with more mature people with the current Twilight 2000 game. They're making a lot smarter moves. They have a, a really good medic on the team. Or, I don't know, she may be, his wife, Amy Lee, is playing a, a doc. I don't know if she's a full doctor, but she has a lot of medical knowledge. So she's been very capable as far as, you know, saving people before they die in, in cases of gunshot wounds. They did recently have somebody lose a leg um, from infection in that game. But for the most part, he, he puts it up to smart gameplay where they're ambushing their opponents. They're using night vision where their opponents don't have night vision, things like that. Um, so they're, they're just being really smart and careful in what they're doing. And so he thinks that he, he thinks that the new Twilight 2000 has the capability of being pretty lethal, but due to the players playing smartly, they've survived longer in that game. But I'm sure he'll probably call in with his own comments on that. Thank you so much for those calls. I really appreciate it. And, you know, definitely feel free to call in in the future and further engage. We'd love to hear that. I have one final call today, and that's from MW of the Worlds of MW Lewis podcast. And he's going to talk about the recent interview I did with him about his new Kickstarter. By the way, he is on the latest episode of Carl's show, The Geomologist Presents. So if after the show you're like, I want to hear more of this guy, one, you can go to my show notes and go to his, go to MW's show and listen to his show. But you can also go over to The Geomologist Presents show and hear more about him over there. And also, if you go over to Carl's show, you can hear those, that recap of Reaver like I talked about earlier in the show. So I recommend you do that. But without further ado, let me turn it over to MW. Hey, Jason, MW Lewis here. I just want to thank you for your interviewing and helping to promote my Kickstarter for the Nicomedans Tower. You uh, you don't have to do that. You do it uh, for your love of RPG and the creator community. And, and we all know that and we appreciate it. You're you're doing a great service to everyone and, and, and including me. So I do appreciate it. I hope I, I pick up some supporters uh, thanks to your endorsement. And I see you've endorsed already, already supporting my Kickstarter. So uh, you're just it's just great what you do to support the creator community. We all appreciate it, I'm sure. I'm speaking for a lot of people, of course, but I know we all appreciate it. I also want to mention I am going to be jumping in headfirst with Smoldering Dung Games to get this out. Uh, I still have to send uh, Smoldering Dung's Rob Ritchie. Uh, my manuscript, I'm sure he'll want to edit over it. I'm sure he's going to want to put it into a nice design like he's done with other adventures, uh, like Brian Larch's uh, Into the Wilder- Wilderlands, Wildland- Wilderlands, which I have. I supported that Kickstarter, and I even bought additional copies of it when I met Brian in person for the very first time. I bought I bought a few additional copies that he had on hand because I also want to support the creator community. Um, and I actually think it's a great module too, by the way, and still available through Smoldering Dung Games as a PDF. So anyway, um, I, I forgot to mention during the interview that uh, the Grog Empire's 2022 Almanac also has the breakaway jacket uh, with the saddle stitched booklet inside. So it kind of slipped my mind when we were speaking uh, in the interview. So, and it's a wonderfully produced print product and I'm sure I will be working with the same printer 
if I continue this collaboration with Smoldering Dung, which I I really intend to do. And just so your uh, listeners know, you know, if uh, if this Kickstarter isn't fully funded and we we end up not making the printed modules, and in the future my next one comes out and people don't fund it, that that's okay. I mean, I I don't expect to be funded. Uh, I still want these adventures to see the light of day. And I may still, I may kick them out in the future when people are sick of me. I'll just kick them out through Dragon's Foot and make them free content. I'm not trying to be, make a, a living off of publishing adventure modules. So I don't want anyone to think that. I, I think a lot of your creators are in the same boat I'm in. You know, it's fan art in a way. This is just fan art, fan fiction. I do think this this one, Nicomedon's Tower, has some value, though. I think people can play it and will enjoy it. So that's why I launched a Kickstarter, because I wanted to look great. I wanted to have a high-quality print product. I wanted to make sure I could uh, have some support to pay uh, – to support an artist or two to create some nice artwork for it. And I also wanted to have enough money to support um, the map maker. And I can't even stop talking about my map. I love my map. And if it ever, if I ever hold a, a professionally printed version of this module with that breakaway jacket, the separate jacket, uh, and I sit it on my desk and that map, is, that blue and white map is staring back at me, uh, that will be a, a thrilling day for me. It really will. It'll be a thrilling day. So anyway, if you don't have the Grog Empire 2022 Almanac, Jason, or your, any of your listeners – Go to Smoldering Dung Games website and and get it and and it, in many ways it, you'll you'll be previewing what my module will look like if it comes to print. So again, thanks a lot, Jason. You're 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 just fantastic, uh, and I, I appreciate that you had me on your show today. And remember, folks, if you sent a call in to Jason and you haven't heard it on this episode, have no fear; it will appear. AMW, thank you so much for that call, and thank you as always to Colin Green over Spike Pit for that ending message there. As far as the Almanac, I do have that. I picked it up. In fact, I talked about it on the show back, I don't know, probably November, I think, is when I got it in the mail, and I talked about it back then. So, yeah, highly recommend everything Smoldering Dung Games does. Excellent, excellent company, high-quality products. You get a lot of neat things from them. In fact, I was talking with my Pathfinder group. I, I don't run that group. I'm playing in that group. But we were talking about, so you want to be a rock star, which is an older tabletop RPG about being a rock band, and, and maybe I'm going to run a session of, of that for them. And I picked that up through Smoldering Dung Games. They had some copies of it. So, yeah, you can get all kinds of great things there, so you can definitely go check them out, folks. There's a link in the show notes. Now... I think that is all I have for you today. I know I've kept you guys a long time. I appreciate you taking the time out to listen. I just want to thank all my callers. I want to thank you, the listener, for putting up with me, putting up with my pauses and my creativity and my busy schedule that's kept me from doing a lot of things I want to do. I do hope you check out Cerebrophore on Friday when we have the first part of our new uh play-by-voicemail game going on. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. We do have further panels over there coming in the future. Get your contest entries in. So far, there's only one entry, so I guess it'll be easy to pick the winner. We don't even have to roll die. But, you know, get those contest entries in. And most importantly of all, folks, 
Well, actually, before I sign off, let me thank Ray Otis for the Coffee Cup clip art, TJ Drennan for the wonderful music, and then I want to ask everybody to be excellent to each other. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fail to shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. There is a dustbin in your moilers by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Don't look away Well the zombies are rising and the world's gone to hell We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck